0: welcome back once again to the Ascent Podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll be your guide as we continue to work our way towards self-excellence. So today we're going to talk about something I think is a very important topic that uh, we've been sharing quite a bit about. We often hear the importance of, you know, keeping life's balance to a way where you're you're trying to remain balanced with your personal life, uh, also your work life. And how relevant that is to just your overall success and happiness but i'm going to challenge that with a third component which i think is equally important and we really need to talk more about that and that is your mental fitness and really getting to understand how it stands along i think as its own independent category of what's important to maintain and put effort into each and every day just as just as you do to try to maintain some personal life, personal life balance versus your work life balance, getting now a third leg to that stool where you're actually having that balance of the work life, your your, your work life, excuse me, your work life, your personal life, and now what we're going to call mental fitness or your mental health. The, the joining of these three things is something that we're going to call self harmony. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on, in today's podcast, Just finding ways, sharing five different ways that we have all uh, kind of been down the road on of maintaining, monitoring, and strengthening what we want to call self-harmony or your mental fitness. Well, good morning, group. How's everybody doing this morning? Good
1: morning. Welcome good morning.
0: Welcome, welcome. Welcome. It's good to see everyone. So with that said, talking about mental health, mental fitness, and I, I, I'll i start, then Chris, I'll come to you next, Erica, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with Benny. Uh, I really just want to give my perspective when I hear someone say, historically, what mental health and mental fitness has been about, and then how I see it as being a relevant thing today. From a personal story standpoint, for me, I've always... Kind of look back on it historically. You know, it was one of those things when you someone said you had a, a mental health challenge or something like that. It was always kind of taboo as you look back over the age and time. Right, uh, it was something that you know may have been known within the inner circle but it certainly wasn't something that you shared out in some type of public way or public fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that obviously that paradigm has shifted quite a bit over the, the recent decades and people are much more open and it's much more of a relevant thing, especially a lot of times for male members to share and talk about what they need or what's going on or what challenges that they may face with their mental health uh, and some of the mental challenges that, th- that they may be facing. So for me, that's kind of where I think I am with it and getting to that comfort level of, you know, hey, it's not so taboo, it's something that is definitely more open, more honest, and you can be more transparent about. I think that's an important component of it. Chris, what about you? Historically, when someone would talk about mental health, what's been your take on that? Say that again. From historically for you, from a mental health standpoint, what's been your take on, uh, how it's changed over the years, as far as being more open, more transparent, and being more more public about it.
1: Well, what I found, what I have found is that it's it's really one of those things that was in the closet for so long. We we we, um, I, I, we we have conversations. We'll continue to have conversations about that. That, from a community standpoint, depending on which community you're from, you know, in our particular community. In the black community let's just say that in the black community it was that it was that really that taboo uh type subject and what it a lot of times the correlation to that was especially from a male perspective was it it, it implied weakness um and honestly mm-hmm. i think that we've i or at least myself i've turned it into a strength so something that was kind of my kryptonite Early on in my, you know, young adult life, um, really is something that I've really worked hard to turn around and really bring out of the closet, for in the forefront, and typically up on the table, so people understand that. Um, I have conver- I have a lot of conversations, and uh, I don't know that you a hundred percent get comfortable with the idea. It's it's even even today, and i I'm a whole lot more developed, uh, adult that I used to be and how I communicate and how I, uh, I like I'll, I'll use for, for lack of a better expression, how I raise my hand when there's mental fitness issues involved, uh, IE how I'm feeling or how I'm not feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about, um, the peaks and valleys of life. Um, I've been residing in the Valley for, for, for the better part of this past year. And I am only starting to see the benefits and reap the rewards of being very honest and upfront about my mental fitness. Um, I'm actually feeling like I'm starting to get a second lease on life. And my whole thought process now is geared towards, um, my mental, my positive mental fitness. And I'll be honest with you. It is something that I have to practice on a daily basis. And I've gotten to that point, point. It, and it, I almost akin it to working out. So if you put the time into it, you're going to get the rewards. Um, I am starting to, and I, I'll say this on just on a personal level, and I'll cut it off because I know I can get a little long-winded. I am starting to feel emotionally some of the best, have had some of the best feelings over this last couple of months that I've had in the last couple of years. Um, and that is a testament to hard work and the people that i have around me supporting me.
0: So absolutely. Absolutely. Chris thanks for sharing that. You and you did touch on something in there that you know I was kind of alluding to and that is you equated it to working out meaning that you are conscious of it and focused to it in some way almost on a daily basis just as if it's part of your routine to be Uh, cognizant of what you need to do, where you are on that scale on any given day from a mental fitness standpoint. I think that's a key component. Um, Erica, how about you? What, from, you know, historically and maybe even some family things and other things, have you kind of gone through and and transitioned to be more aware of your, your mental health and making it a priority as you move forward?
2: Sure, sure. I think I come from a, a unique background in that I have relatives that are uh, mental health uh, services providers. Um, I have an aunt who is the head of adult services for uh, Harris County MHMRA. I believe that's the, the acronym that we use uh, for it. Um, and then also, you know, best friend that's a psychiatrist and other best close friends that are psychologists. And so I've been in some of course, relatives that are sociologists. So I've been surrounded with people uh, who value uh, others taking care of their mental health. And I've been in an environment where that is encouraged, that self-care is encouraged. I, I think from historically from Black people, we have been, uh, while we've been in this country, have been surviving, really trying to survive. Um, there have been so many different systemic things that have been placed, uh, set up to make sure that we don't uh, thrive, maybe survive, but not thrive. We uh, The goal through this, this these systemic obstacles was to make sure that we survive in order to serve others hmm. instead of thrive for ourselves and for our legacies, right? So coming from that background in which we were encouraged to value our feelings and value the feelings of others, and also to value boundaries, meaning do not place yourselves in circumstances when and around people who do not value you, who do not value your right to have feelings, your right to express that you believe, that you know you have value, regardless of somebody else's behavior. I grew up in an environment that that was encouraged. And unfortunately, for many people, I would, and I'm saying particularly people of color, we have worked so hard for so long that sometimes we don't stop and make sure that the people around us who love us understand that we need time for ourselves and that we need to take a mental break from them, whether it's a spouse whether it's our kiddos, whether it's, you know, uh, church members, sorority, fraternity. I think historically, as people of color, we have not done that. I think Black women, and I'm, I, I've i been talking to some of my close friends about this, Black women have historically thought that we had to be... Um, not just supportive, but just strong for the community, organizers, whether it's with voting or whether it's things at church, whether it's helping our husbands, helping our if our brothers were helping support their missions, helping to our children, helping everybody except valuing ourselves and helping ourselves, taking care of ourselves mentally, physically. I think we, because we needed it spiritually, very, we're a very spiritual group of women, but Not really demanding of others and of ourselves to take that time out just for that self-care. I I was with a group of women uh, last week, last month at a retreat. And the theme was, we're not going to try to be your strong black woman. No, no, we're, we're not strong black women. We are women who have strong faith. And we no longer think that you have to be a white woman to have that luxury of exhaustion. I'm okay with saying, hey, y'all, hey guys, I'm exhausted. I'm taking the time out just for me, not meetings, not anybody else. Exhaustion's not just for white women. Black women can feel exhausted too. And I'm happy that we as black women are starting to recognize that and voice it aloud
0: soon so thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing that and then Vince I want to come to you because uh I, I think you probably have some insights too uh just based on your background some of your world travels and maybe how it is culturally uh different
3: yeah in, in the Asian culture especially Japanese there's so much so much shame and guilt you know it's um I think similarly, you can you can see a trend based on the the trials and tribulations, each of us as an ethnic minority uh, coming into a new culture. And, you know, part of that, of course, is is the traditional value of, you know, you're you're sacrificing so much for future generations. so. Growing up, I had some amazing grandparents who really instilled that level of resiliency based on all the stuff they had to go through. And then, you know, as you said, growing up in in Asia too, seeing what the challenges were for a lot of the male figures too, you know, vulnerability wasn't talked about. You know, you you don't do that. And it wasn't really until I would say I was introduced into a lot of the various different types of leadership programs in college where, you know, it's OK, you should talk about that. And and finding those support groups is really, really, really key because you just can't sometimes do it yourself. Um, again, that that uh, that feeling like you're supposed to be doing something that weight on your shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, that expectation, not just from a cultural perspective, but from a gender as well. So for me, you know, as I've evolved too, I would I would follow a, a similar statement that that Mr. Black has said as well is, you know, if you don't seek it, it's really hard to do. If you don't yeah. allow yourself to prioritize self care, and um, thankfully I've surrounded myself with a lot of really amazing folks who, like Erica, you know, practice this either in a in a professional case too, mm-hmm. and and you're getting past that whole idea that, you know, oh, uh, I have guilt for for taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about this last time as well. But I think a lot of us are givers. And because we're givers, we feel like we just have to continue giving and giving. And the question comes down to you're gonna reach a point where, as as we've heard before burnout, burnout is real. And unless you can really schedule, and that's what I do in terms of, as Erica mentioned, setting boundaries, you got to just say like putting it onto the calendar and going to the gym and saying, okay, it's it's just like another meeting. I'm going to go do this. So whether it's uh, setting a, a therapy appointment with your you know, ongoing provider, which as we know through COVID, wow, that was really a challenge towards our entire mental health community where people were feeling this level of fear and feeling this level of uh, un, un, unrestness of like, I should be doing this or I can't be involved. And, and I, I really believe the silver lining on COVID and other things like that is that ability for us to pause, reflect, identify, Hey, I'm getting triggered, you know? And I, I that's the other thing too, that I've been, I've been, Learning as a muscle is um, when you can pause and say, Okay, I don't know why, but I'm being triggered and I'm okay with it. Yeah.
2: And, and uh, on, on that note, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, and that reminds me I was having, I was reading some things um, just online, and then I was having some thoughts about what a, a guy had said in that online group chat. And I was just thinking to myself, why would someone make that statement? Like what guilty pleasure does that person receive? And what emotion is that person trying to elicit from me or from other women to make that statement? Like what does that person have to gain? And so when you mentioned triggers, that's what made me think of that. When people say things to us, um, and we value ourselves and our own feelings before responding. Just really thinking, what 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 emotion is that person trying to get from me, and and what guilty pleasure do they receive from trying to inflict such such emotion? But yeah, realizing what those triggers are, and that really does take time of making. You have to make those appointments with yourself so you can figure that out. Yeah. I wish i would
0: have done that a lot younger 100 <laughs> agree with that so this kind of brings us to the first bullet point of the the five ways we were talking about for actually strengthening your you know, your mental bandwidth your mental capacity your mental fitness uh in general and one the first one really talks about mindfulness and that is really kind of i think the common thread that kind of was in all of our stories as we went through it It's just, you know, how mindful are you being? And one of the things from my side that I wanted to throw on the table uh, that's also, I won't say it's necessarily changed, maybe uh, from a practice standpoint, I think more people are probably engaged than they used to be, and that's meditation. Because meditation has obviously been around for eons, however, it was also one of those things for many years, and in certain cultures, that uh, we be looked at it, it as like, well, that's some hokey crap. Meditate? What? You know, I don't, I don't know what that means, right? And and not truly value and appreciate it, but meditation or some type of purposeful taking the time to just center yourself mentally, emotionally, relax, be calm, uh, just kind of regather and regroup, which is a lot of what meditation is all about. Um, I think it's a very valuable piece of that whole mindfulness thing. Uh, does anyone else have a story that they'd like to share as far as how they've used meditation or is that something that they see that's a positive in in their life? I can go. Yeah, go for it.
1: Well, you know, as, as most of, you know, and, and some of the audience knows that, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'll call myself a big time swimmer. So, um, part of my program is three days a week I swim. So Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday are my swim days. Well, I use that as kind of a multi, uh, that activity in a multitude of ways. I do meditate, I do pray, I I review things that are on my schedule to do. um, And I just try to um, manifest a lot of positive things that I'm trying to do in my life, or or, or my, you know, my list of things that I, I desire. And I really just take that time. It's, it's a quiet time for me most of the time. You know, i either listen to music or, or not. Um, but I use that time to really kind of, you know, if I'm, you know, as you say, Vinny, if, I'm, if you're triggered, you know, sometimes, you know, do communication with people through our everyday business life. Um, sometimes we get triggered. And the funny, the thing that I was listening to when I was listening to you, Vinny, and, and you, Erica, was um, a perfect example for me. Text messaging. We, I don't know about the rest of the world. I don't know about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a guess here. Um, for me, a lot of times when I read text, because you can't see the emotion beside behind a text, right? So it's just words on a, on a screen. But I think the human inclination is, as you look, you, at least for like let me preface this. At least for me is, I sometimes fall to the negative side of what someone's trying to say to me, as opposed to the positive side of what somebody say to me. So where I get stuck sometimes is crafting a response. You know, I'm trying to craft a response that's going to be positive or at least convey some type of positive, even if it's not meant, you know, even, you know, even if it's not positive or the, the response is not positive, I'm trying to make it as positive as possible. And it, it, you can get caught in a kind of a trick bag on that. <laughs> so I've tried, I've been working hard recently to try to take the emotion out of it and deal more with the, what the actual message is. Um, that's why the beautiful thing is for me. Sometimes I have a rule: certain things we don't text. Certain things I'm going to call you on the phone, and we're going to talk about it because I need you to. I need to convey the emotion that's behind it. If it's something, maybe it's a little. It's maybe it's wildly averse, or maybe it's mildly averse. But I want to be able to, to try to find a happy medium to be able to a, a happy. A, a, a platform that allow me to communicate what my feelings are, what my message is. And that can be challenging at times. Um, if you're not self-aware where you are on a particular day or a particular instance uh, or a particular subject. So it's one of those things that I, you know, it's a daily, it's a daily workaround for me. And I think I'm starting, I'm starting to feel like I'm winning that battle, at least in my own head which is really the most important thing is how i feel and that's you know that's the other thing about the mental fitness is how do you feel how do you feel in your everyday movements and interactions with the people that you move around with and, and interact with and work with and so far so on um i think it's very important that you you know you have you're on equal footing when you are trying to communicate with people
2: And that kind of reminds me of a text message that I had sent to a friend. And I was just joking. and um, But he didn't really realize that I was joking in the text message. And then he responded that that wasn't funny. So my question to you guys is, because as women, because you all come off so strong and so, uh, not always confident, just so, so masculine in, in the terms of not showing a lot of feelings, besides, you know, love, but but not that you have any type of sensitivity. How can we as women be supportive? How can, how can we share with more women that, you know, men actually have feelings (laughs) that y'all have feelings (laughs) besides being in love and besides anger like that your feelings can be hurt like how can how how can we encourage men to be more open about expressing you know wow that hurt or i don't know how you say how guys would say it you know but how how can we as women be as friends as 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 wives girlfriends sisters aunts cousins how can we be more supportive
3: to men. Erica, there's a really interesting book. I don't know if you read it. It's called For the Love of Men by Ooh, Liz Plank. That one. That one. Who, who that one for the Liz love Plank. Of... Oh Liz Plank. Okay. And it it really encompasses kind of what your question or the theme of that statement. And it's it's written obviously from a female's perspective around men. And this idea, especially in today's world, where, you know, we're pushing for more inclusivity, we're pushing for more equality, we're trying to become, uh, you know, less about he and she, more about they, more about um, looking at all aspects of things. And the author, I think does a pretty good job of, of breaking down the cultural biases that you know, we as men, you know, because of all that that expectation growing up, because of all, you know, us as young boys, from other figures saying you got to suck it up, you got to repress all of those feelings, vulnerability wasn't embraced, and and then we have a culture where it's taboo, and you're looked poorly upon and and then but the flip side of this this really interesting kind of thing is that without that level of you know the highs and the lows without all those really challenging moments for us to really kind of break through Mm -hmm. then it's actually acceptable that you have this this dip in your life career and you make a comeback and you know that's reflected in a lot of our, our media culture, where you've got the whole, you know, the Rocky Balboa story, or something comes up and then, you know, they, the underdog comes back up and, and, and fights and wins. And on one hand, it's, it's a challenge, because if that's the expectation, you know, we are our own worst enemies. Our level of expectation of where we should be, how much we should be making... What is our social status? What is our economic status? You know, who our friends are, keeping up the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Then you've got this whole other component too, where it's just not about us. It's about what else other people feel about us. And as, as Mr. Black said, you know, as long as you're okay with you and you have that level of confidence, I believe, at least in my own experience, that's, that's the most important thing, period.
0: Yeah, agreed. You know, I want to chime in there because uh, two pieces of it, Erica, I'll start with what, you know, your question was, is, you know, yes, men have this masculine quality and we've been groomed for decades and decades of, you know, about, uh, you know, boys don't cry and don't show your emotions, you know, be stand up and be strong and all these different things. But under that, we do have emotions, and, and our feelings can be hurt, and, and, and all of that. So, and it really takes us to what I would say is the the second thing on our list of you know how to build a, uh, a stronger mental mindset, and that is talking about you know self reflection and your emotional intelligence. Um, and this is something that, from a male perspective, um, we are need to learn how to do a better job for ourselves because we've never really had to do that. It hasn't been something that we have been coached on and talked to about uh, generationally and those types of things is uh, taking the time for that self-reflection. Uh, and then emotional intelligence is a whole nother level of things because we, you always hear about you know how smart a person is. you know We're talking about it from an IQ standpoint, mm-hmm. but emotional intelligence is another level of intelligence that is equal to your intellectual intelligence or higher sometimes. I think sometimes it's more valuable to be a more emotionally intelligent person than it is to be intellectually intelligent. Now, that said, um, then that's where the onus falls back to us as men, not only to take the time to self-reflect, figure out where we are strong or weak or need to grow or become better, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, then that's where the greater challenge comes in. This kind of goes back to what Chris was saying. Um, How do I then express that so that people understand how to feed me from an emotional standpoint, right? Because you may know it, but the other person doesn't. So it's two layers to it. A, figuring out where you are on that emotional scale, but then B, being able to comfortably relate that out to your circle, to your world, so they know how to feed you emotionally is, is another key component of it. So I see that as a big piece. Uh, Erica, does that help kind of answer your question? And and you know, I mean, it's it it is something that is a really big thing. And I, I think also for men, when, if you if you're going to draw that hard line in the sand and say men on this side, women on that side, obviously we know that for the most part men operate from this logical base and whereas women operate more from an emotional base right so where that emotion comes across from the woman to the man you know from the feminine to the masculine and then the man's feelings get hurt the woman's like i don't understand because i think i thought i delivered that in a very logical way but men actually do need a balance of both and but trying to figure that out of feeding that logical piece but also supporting that uh, that emotional piece is very important, Chris. What are your thoughts?
2: Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I, uh, go ahead.
0: Erica. No, go ahead.
2: I was going to also share when I talk to guys at work. A lot of times, by the time they come to me, even people that have been in long-term marriages, they're very lonely, um, and a lot of things they might hear in their household or hear their um, wives say to other people or just kind of about them or just kind of uh, discrediting their intelligence, even though maybe these men are like the sole breadwinners, right? Or, you know, or maybe they're not, but they, they're they very active in their families and uh, uh, as far as being present. And even those that had to travel a lot for their jobs, they're very active, but they feel like they really don't matter as much or that their opinions where they live. The people around them don't respect them or or care about their feelings. And I think as women, lots of times we do forget that y'all might go to work every day and y'all might go out there and try to make things happen. But like really deep down inside, y'all have feelings. And if there's anything, you know, that I think we have to talk more about is how we can pay more attention to that. And not just, you know, is the house clean or is this done or, or, you know, do we have great uh, food in the house or, you know, people having sex or that actually people also have, which guys, that could be a whole nother show about how y'all feel about sex and if it's connected to how y'all feel loved and I don't know, all of that. But just things in which men over here, I think we as women sometimes forget y'all do have, y'all do have feelings. Y'all, y'all can say y'all have feelings. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Be like Jesse Jackson, Jackson, I'm a man and I have feelings. That's <laughs> you funny. You are somebody. You are somebody too. <laughs>
1: hey, I wanna first of all, I wanna apologize to you, Eric. We did not leave, mean to leave you hanging out here in the wind on, on your uh your statement. Uh, <laughs> You are a hundred percent correct. Um, I, I think I was caught in my own thought process about this because it's something that's probably uh, a little near and dear to my, a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, I thought about this. I'm. Uh, you, you brought up Brian when you brought up the uh, about the lot You know, men being so logical. You know, I'm. I had this thought a few days ago, and it was just really a reflection point where I had to to tell myself again. I was like you know, you're a super logical guy. Right. But I do have that. If you, for most of you that know me, know I have this other, this emotional component to my makeup and the, 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 for me, the balance balancing those two sides. um, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, This was a real eye opener for me. Um, uh, I I used to be married to a, a local girl here in Hawaii and sweet girl. Jesus, Jesus, I, I don't really have a lot of bad things. obviously we divorced at some point, but we got into, we got into, uh, marriage, to therapy together. And, uh, I remember one day the therapist asked me the question and he said, Chris, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be alone? <laughs> now I don't know what that does to anybody else. When you hear that, that question, but it just, it was like somebody threw a, put a, uh, a crowbar in my spokes. I didn't know how to respond. I was like, can you ask me that question again? So he asked me the question the second time. He said, Chris, do you want to be right or do you want to be alone? And I was like, doc, I'm trying my damnedest to understand what you're saying to me. I said, you want to break it down to an elementary level for me? He said, sure. He said, you said you're a very bright and thought provoking guy. He said, but part of your problem is, is you process too quickly. He says, your wife does not process on the level that you process. And because of the fact you process so quickly, she views that as you don't care. And it's a personal front to everything that she represents. And I'm like, "Whoa, that clearly was not my intention here. And I I had to believe me, I chewed on this for probably a good month, month and a half where I was trying to figure out how I could make that adjust cuz that, that's what I went into adjustment mode I was like well how can I adjust because I'm clearly I figured out that I'm clearly threatening this woman's existence by my ability to process so quickly and he said the crazy part was he says it's not that your processing doesn't lead to a uh, correct uh conclusion but that's not what women want and I really had to back up from that point on. It really, it honestly it changed my life from that day forward. So I, I, I actually sit back and learn certain instances, especially when I'm dealing with the opposite sex and I have to kind of put it on three levels. What's, what's the end game here? Are we looking for me? Because a lot of times, you know, men want to fix things. We're fixers, you know, that's, that's our thing. We fix things, you know? So am, So am I being asked to fix something? Am I or am I being just asked to listen to something or am I or or am I being asked to give some some credible advice? And I use that today as still the tool that I kind of use to drive me, especially, like I said, because I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to tamp down anybody's uh, thought processes or feelings or emotions or anything like that in my response. I'm just trying to figure out what you need from me. Um, and it can be challenging from time to time. It really, especially with the, just the dynamic of men as a whole, you know, what society has put on top of us. I think that was earlier in the conversation. You know, we, I, well, the other thing that I thought of when you and Erica were talking, and I think Brian and as well as Vinny, I, I was thinking about how there was a time in my life, it's probably in my 20s, where I thought I was bulletproof. Like, nothing could hurt me. You know, I, everything. I'm, everything is going to be everything, and I found out the first time I got my. You know, as an adult, I really got. You know, for one of the first instances I got my feelings hurt, and I'm like, I am not bulletproof, and it's it's a realization that you come to, and of course, if you you know if you're if you're even remotely some kind of smart, I think we all are, you start to make adjustments, you start to take those experiences and you start to you know log them. As you go through the through your um, through the your life, so to speak. but yeah, so <laughs> that's something that like I said I practice every I practice it pretty much in any interaction that I have.
2: don't don't feel bad. my ex-husband who I, I, we have a business together still. <laughs> and he will sometimes say he'll be at his computer and I'll be maybe at another table doing something on my computer. And I'll say something and then he'll look up he'll say what uh that's okay that's okay. <laughs> I think over the years he's just learned I, I really just don't even want to know because then we can she's gonna take me on a rabbit trail of, that's just gonna be illogical <laughs> so you learned and he learned I think at one point all men who have lived with a woman learned when you want to say the question why and when even if you said why is it really going to lead to someplace
1: that's going to make sense <laughs> so protect your peace <laughs> well, well, Erica, with that being said clearly the, the one of the bigger you the, one of the bigger skills that you that you have to really tap into that point is to be able to you have to if you're listening mm-hmm. yeah you have to be listening yeah. and I think that well, is, and I almost let me go sidebar just right. one second man. just yeah. one second I don't think a lot of men listen. There's a, there's a segment of us to do not listen because we are, we are, we believe that we're authorities. That is the problem in society that really ticks me off is that the way society is set up, it puts the man in the, the authority chair and damn it, we just are not the authorities on everything. Okay. I'm saying, you know, at least for myself, I'm going to say that I am not the authority on everything. There are certain things. Yes. I believe I'm the authority of, but there's a lot of things. And I say a lot, I underline a, a lot that we are not the authority. Certain things we are learning, we are learning on the fly and in real time. And I think that's important that that gets out there. I think it needs to be said. And I think it needs to be absorbed and become a part of your day in and day out. Um, One of your tools in your toolbox is, we are not the authority.
2: It's, It's good when guys find a woman who is authority in something that they're not, and then that way they can help help each other instead of you know just finding somebody who knows what you know finding somebody who knows something that can bring something to your life is good.
1: You know that's another uh, that's another podcast, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> so Vince, go ahead. What is it yeah, you were going to share there?
3: One of the things you were talking about, and and Chris alluded to that whole listening thing, and. I would definitely say more recently than not, you know, the whole idea of having that conversation with whatever your, your spouse or your partner or your or business partner or whatnot, but, you know, all too often, and it was more recently than not, um, especially around the, the statement mansplaining,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: that's something where I would say only, only until oh, maybe in the last decade have I truly understood and of course I've heard the I've heard the term but it wasn't until I distinctly remember exactly the scenario and and once you see it you can't Mm -hmm. unsee it now and then I'm just I'm just sitting there in conversations and meetings etc and I'm I'm just watching it go and I'm like wow this is so wild and I just I just kind of chuckle and just like oh my goodness I feel so bad now as a as a man you know, yeah. I feel like I should. I should say yeah. I'm so sorry. Like I, I apologize. I'm, but but going back to what Chris said on listening, that piece is also such a such a, a muscle we have to 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 really learn because so quick in my own experience too is as I'm listening, I'm not actively listening, and I'm always coming up with like a response. But you know, sometimes you just gotta. Just gotta let it go and and not have a response and and that's another piece too from a from a man's perspective well not just men but but you know the whole idea that um, if you don't have a response or it's not witty or it's not this mm-hmm. you know it's a challenge to your ego or you you don't have a voice or whatnot and uh, that, that goes back to the whole self-reflection piece too you know yeah. just realizing you don't have to be always talking
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: that part. So I want to chime in there. I want to actually go back and challenge Chris's position a little bit about being the authoritative figure and not to say that that is not relevant. But I think from a man's chair, we are call it ego. Some other things we get really self absorbed into f- feeling that well, I am king kind of thing. Um, So I think a lot of times we talk about not listening or that we don't listen well. I I agree that we are not listening at the level we should be listening. But what it is, in my opinion, is we are so self-absorbed. My time is so valuable. I'm so busy. I have so much on my plate. What are you saying? Get it out. Okay. Here's the solution. Boom. Let's move forward. So it's not that we're not listening, but we are not listening at the level I think we need to be listening, because we are so self-centered and absorbed within our what's going on in our universe and what's spinning in our world and why that's important and why I'm important and and all of that piece. So, yes, there's some authority. I agree with you on that. But I also think a lot of it is just good old fashions being self-absorbed and having that ego and my time is valuable what are you talking about and that's not even relevant to me so let me get to a solution for your little issue really quick and so I can move on to the next thing kind of thing so I, I think
2: that's fair, yeah
0: that, that's, that's just a perspective that I see and from some of the experiences that I have gone through
2: I think that's great like for example if there's something going on with my daughter who's now in a, she's in college But I would always be very to the point. Like, this is what's going on. This is, you know, what I've seen. This is what, but one, two, three, four. Like, and then when I'm conferring with her father about something, and we get right to the, he'll give his opinion like that. And it's very quick. Like you just mentioned, I guess this is my first time thinking of it like that. But if there's other situations that's not related to our daughter, oh, I'm going every which way with the conversation. I'm going every which way. I'm going up the hill. I'm going around the mountains. Do the bend. <laughs> and so he's sitting there like, whoo. <laughs> which I guess is connected to what you're saying. He's like, "Oh, where's this story going? And <laughs> what is the point? When are we going to get to the end of the story?" And that's I think maybe as women, we need to be mindful of that. Uh, in others, in all situations, not just situations with kids. Like this is an issue. Blank. 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 What should we do? I think this, what do you think? And then I automatically get his support. His, uh, I could tell my ex-husband, I'm really tired. You know, this organization has something at 8 a.m. She's not getting up. I really wanna go to bed too, but I think that it's gonna go back to bed. I really, and he's like, put her on the phone. Go get her, and put her on the phone right now. We're the parents. So it's like immediate solution. But if there's something else, up and down, around the bend. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and Curious then
2: blame so. y'all for not listening.
0: <laughs> Chris, what, what thoughts do you have there? It looks like you have something on your mind. What would you like to share? Well, I think at the end of the day,
1: you know, we talk about the self-reflection piece, you talk about the emotional, intelligent. Uh, I think the thing that comes to mind for me right out of the gates is, and there's layers to this thing. I mean, there, there is what I'm, what I have come to learn and to it and have come to adopt in my how i operate i would say that how i operate is um there's different ways to approach different things some sometimes there an immediate response it, it warrants it and it's sometimes it's cut and dried so there's really not much there's not much room for um negotiations let's say but in a lot of situations There, that you have to start delving into the layers of what it is that's going on, whatever the particular situation is. Um, You know, is there a financial component to it? Is there a safety component to it? Um, um, What what's what's going to be the outcome? What's going to be the the uh, the desired outcome? So I think a lot of these things have to be up to factor this in, and that's where the listening piece comes in, where You've got to sit and take a couple minutes, and, and I think Vinny, you were talking about not actively listening. I think that is definitely something that we can all probably say at some point or another that we're guilty of through the process, through the daily process. I'm not, I'm not listening actively because I'm, because I'm solution orientated, which I think a lot of us, and a lot of us folks that are uh, uh, high level people, we're solution orientated. That's how we're trained. That's how we're taught. That's how we're, how we're conditioned. And that isn't always the best way, um, and that's where the real work comes to, to play. Is that you've got to you've got to sit there on and I'm, and it's almost on the fly most of the times to try to really try to figure out what am I what tool am I pulling out of my bag of tricks to that's going to be best suited for this particular situation. And there's and that's where the thought provoking part of it comes into play. Is that you've got to literally you know engage that thought muscle. And and because I'm I'm always looking for the, the best outcome. I mean, that's how I'm trying to driven. I'm looking for the best outcome. I am now conditioning myself to look out for the best outcome for whoever I'm dealing with. But I'm also telling myself there has to be a little something in this for me as well. You know, I mean, I I deserve to get something out of this, too. Um, and, you know, and it's you know, it's not mon- it's definitely never monetary, but just from some emotional satisfaction you know um so that's what drives me
3: so it's funny as you guys are talking about this and and the whole idea i i just think about sometimes especially when you think about some of the other philosophies and i'm I'm thinking more of the zen side the buddhist side you know it's not about the outcome it's not about getting to the end of it it's about the journey and, and how do you embrace the journey? How do you be present? I mean, that's really what, when you talk about listening, et cetera, it's like, how present are you? And, and sometimes it's okay just to be okay with not feeling like you're on a path or you've got the answers, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I definitely feel like, as you can embrace to see the journey, as you can kind of step back and say, you know, what am, you know, what it what's the what's the lesson behind all this? You know, and and sometimes, as we all know, and maybe if you, Erica, more than most of us as a lawyer, but I I feel like I've come to embrace the the uh, uncomfortable pauses, you know, where it's like, when I'm in a room or I'm talking and I'm like, I actually kind of enjoy that awkward silence where you feel like you're supposed to have the conversation in there, but then you don't. And I'm like, I'm enjoying this. Like this is, you, you watch the other person where just like, they're like, Oh, oh, I got to say something.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, I want to jump in there too, because I want to go back to something Chris was saying It kind of ties into what you were just saying about the, the, the journey of it versus the outcome. And, Chris used the term, you know, we actively listening and we always hear that. Uh, I wanna take that to, or add a level on it, I guess probably the best way to say it. And I says to start mm-hmm. to develop the skill of actively feeling. And the reason I say that is a lot of the times when someone is sharing whatever it is that's going on, they may, they're many times gonna be coming from a place of feeling. And you know, Chris said, is it a security thing? Is it this? Is it that? So for them, there's an emotional feeling type reason that they are saying what they're saying, expressing their point of view and where it's coming from. And if you don't also pay attention to it, or at least try to tap into where those feelings are, you're actually missing part of the message because all of what they're really expressing is not necessarily going to come through in words. that makes sense to you. So you do have to not only be actively listening, I think, but also actively seeking to feel where their motivators are and where the things are coming from. So again, another layer to the, the complexity of communication, but it all does play into it, just as Vinny was just saying a minute ago about sometimes when the room is awkward because there is silence. There is a feeling associated with that because nothing's being said but that is what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a feeling that's part of the whole thing as well. So with that said, um, anything before we talk about the next one, which is setting boundaries, which I think is uh, another important piece of the overall uh, five steps to continue to strengthen your, your mental bandwidth, your, your mental capacities. So for me, when I talk about setting boundaries, um, that's obviously, you know, and there's a lot of that out there today, set your boundaries and, you know, be true to who you are. And part of that has been all, you know, your authentic self as far as where your boundaries are and they stop and they start and have basically, I think Erica said this before, you're teaching people how to treat you, you know, when you set those boundaries. That's really what that's all about. Um, So I think a lot of us, have a better understanding of what it means to set boundaries. But then I wanna talk about from a mental health, mental um, capacity, some of the challenges that may come in when you have your boundaries set. And one of them is is for me, it was when we were talking about transference. And what I mean by that is, as we're talking about, sometimes we're having to listen, take in other information from other people, they're sharing their stories, different things like that. Um, And a lot of times we have to be really careful from a mental standpoint that we don't take on their burden. There isn't this transference of whatever's happening with them that gets transferred onto us and then now we're carrying it also on our shoulders, right? So that's another big piece of, I think, when you are setting boundaries Mm -hmm. that there are mental or emotional boundaries that you might need to become aware of, especially to start to block out some of these transference-type things. Um, so, Erica, I'll start with you. What Have you had any experience with that, or what are your thoughts on, from a boundary standpoint especially, and then talking about transference?
2: Sure, sure. And um, the experiences that I've had in the last couple of years include um, making sure that I don't take upon myself the responsibility of somebody else's feelings. I just... I just don't take on that anymore I feeling like I have to fix situations or create environments to make other people more comfortable just because they're dealing with some trauma of their own. I just don't anymore. I can't carry that. Like I said earlier, I've I, I said aloud. I always knew it, but I, I say out loud now, I am not a strong Black woman. I'm not. I'm not going to be a strong black woman for me. I'm not going to be a strong black woman for anybody else. I'm not carrying anybody water for them. I'm just not. And everybody has to take out that time and deal with their own emotions. I can't carry that. I can't. I'm, I felt like in my life, I've I've spent a lot of time trying to make other people happy. And the truth is, you can do all you can to make other people happy. And if they're not happy inside of themselves, there's nothing you can do. You're just wasting your time. So that's something that I have learned. And I would encourage other people to consider doing the same and really focusing on themselves. I saw a little video the other day, and a little girl was trying to put on her seatbelt. And her father asked her, Can I help you with that? She's like, No, I got it. No, thank you. No, thank you. Worry about yourself. (laughs) She told her, She was like, No, thank you. No, thank you. I, I do it. I do it. Worry about yourself. And and, and a lot of that is, is she was correct, right? Put on your own seatbelt before you worry about mine. Um, but that that's really what I've learned. And and I've spent a lot of, a lo- I've spent decades really hoping that I could make other people happy uh, with me or with themselves or with, you know, and it's just, it's just a waste of time. It's futile. You have to set the boundary with yourself, telling yourself that you're going to stop trying to do that, that you're not going to do that. Seriously,
3: what what helped you get to that point of allowing yourself to be okay with not feeling guilty?
2: When I realized that I did everything that I could and it's still that it's not me. Sometimes in relationships... um, if, if y'all had relationships that have been gone the way you thought it was going to go, um, sometimes, you know, somebody could say, you know, no, this is just, you know, I, I'm just not ready to settle down or, I'm you know, we're not happy together. I'm not making you happy or And then you think, well, it's me if I do this, if I do that, if I'm smarter, if I have more money, or if I move here, or if I'm in this organization, and then no matter what, you're just spinning and spinning and spinning, and the person still just doesn't want to be there, still just doesn't want you. And then you're like, wow, you know, this is what we said we were going to do, what we said we wanted, and it's still, still not happy so what I would encourage people to do is figure out where their joy lies and be happy. And people like being around happy people. And if somebody's miserable, or going through some kind of trauma and they don't want to be around your joy, that's okay. You know, there's a spot for them in this universe, just not making you unhappy. <laughs> their spots not making you miserable. And, and you have to learn to be okay with being happy.
0: Yep, hundred percent. Uh, Chris, what thoughts do you have on that?
1: Well, one of the things we, you know, we're talking about, we were talking about the setting of boundaries. Um, quite frankly, when you decide you're going to set back or you make that a, a priority within yourself. And I, I think that's something we, you have to consciously learn um, because people are going to always push, push your boundaries to, cause I've always said, uh, everybody has some type of an agenda. Um, now, those agendas can be good agendas and they can be bad agendas. They can be steeped in manipulation. We talk, you know, we talk about, we've, we've talked about that. We continue to talk about that. Um, we're, we're a society of manipulators. So everybody has a position they're trying to hold. And while I think that is a wonderful thing, you have to understand that your position, your agenda, well, how does it affect the next person? How does it affect the people that you deal with, whether it be in a personal relationship or a professional relationship? Because uh, we're all trying to gain share. You know, I, I, that's kind of the, 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 the thing about it. Um, I've got a situation right now where I'm dealing with a person, it's on a professional situation, where I'm starting to learn this person who I'm trying to do some business with that, they're just a stress case. They're just not a happy person. I can tell you. They just they're they're wallowing. They're wallowing in it, and I don't even think that this part, You know, it's more I get to, to try to learn, I'm I'm, I'm kind of learning this person from a from a distance. But I what my what I'm starting to come to the conclusion is this person doesn't know how to get out of their own way. They've they've been conditioned to be somewhat miserable, so every situation takes on a bit of misery to this person, um, even up to the point of how you respond to them, or more importantly, how long it takes you to respond to the, you know, because like I said, we're dealing a lot of text messaging and, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature or emails and stuff like that. And what I'm learning about this person is, is that once they engage you, they want you to enge- re-engage them very quickly. And what I, what I, our interaction, we had an interaction this week where he sent me a text message. This was after two, we had a conversation two weeks ago. Now we have a little, di- we have a minor dispute with us on how we're, our viewpoint of a, of a business situation is going. And so the, the person is two. so I had a conversation with this person two weeks later, he responds, right? I'm like, well, that's kind of not cool. I mean, you made it seem like this, what we, our interactions were kind of time sensitive. And I was willing to, to play on that level. But then you gave it two weeks before you responded to our conversation. And then you started asking me all these questions that you should have probably just picked the phone up and talked to me like a normal and have a normal exchange. But you decided you're going to have this all encompassed conversation within a text message. And so I made a decision that, A, he wasn't the authority. And B, I wanted to think about what he said to me in this text message and actually have a very qualified response. So I didn't respond all day. Plus I had a lot of other things going on. Let's be clear on that. Um, So I get a text message later that afternoon. because He texted me in the morning and I get a text message later on in the afternoon, basically being, he was basically butt hurt and basically accused me of having ill will towards him. I mean, he just made up a bunch of stuff about me that I never communicated to him. Basically, he lied. So, but I didn't, you know, so it wasn't about calling him back out per se that he, and call him a liar. So I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to make sure that he understood who he was dealing with and, and and how I operated. And I, so one of the things I stated to him was, so he said, I said, as far as, you know, I I responded back to him. I was like, Hey, let me just let you know something. I'm very busy. It's a Monday. I'm very busy. I've got a lot of things on my plate and I'm handling and I'm handling the, my, things that I need to handle in the priority that I've established that I believe those things have an order of importance. And I said, as far as the ill will, I said, wasted emotion. I don't do that. I said, we should have a conversation. I said, you know, you have to keep pushing. I'm like, I think that the things that you, that you're talking about are very valid, but I think we should have a conversation conversation. And I highlighted that in the message. In the, so this is what I want you to do. I said, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about this before you come back to me. Let me know when we can get together for a face-to-face conversation because um, I'm starting to feel like this person wants me to do some consulting for them slash do some project management um, for their needs. And that's what I think I can bring to the table for the guy. But we're going to have to sit down and talk. We're gonna We're going to stop this text messaging crap. Um, because all you're doing is slinging, you're just slinging arrows and I refuse to play down. I mean, that's one of the things for me is, you know, I'm going to play if you if I'm given the opportunity, I'm going to always play up, even though, you know, I want to fight dirty too. Everyone's my, you know, the, the primal, the primal Chris wants to smack you in your face. You know what I mean? Not literally, but figuratively, I, I want to smack you in your face but I realized that that's gonna get nothing done. It's gonna, its all it's gonna do is two men are gonna, we're gonna to retreat to our corners and we're gonna start, we're just gonna either shut it down or we're gonna keep shooting. And I'm interested in neither.
0: Chris, thanks for sharing that. That's very uh, intuitive. I think the piece I like the most is uh, talking about playing up versus playing down. Uh, and again, that's boundaries. That is what that is. You are establishing boundaries, trying to say, "Look, the, the, we want this to work. Whatever our agreed relationship is, it, we need to try to work within these particular boundaries." You know, and and, and that's in both directions. Uh, and that can be a challenge sometimes, and especially the piece about, uh, as Erica mentioned too, getting out of that people-pleasing mode, which can you know be a detriment to you from you know, making weak boundaries for yourself. Because you're always constantly going out trying to people-please and keep them happy. And then once you realize, wait a minute, this is not working, then obviously it's that uh, the first thing that triggers is the guilt. Because it takes some time to get past that guilt of not people-pleasing. But then eventually you work your way there and you're like, this is the box. And sorry, it is what it is. But getting there is not always an easy thing to do. I was just...
3: I was just thinking about Chris actually using the word butthurt on 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 this. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: I was <laughs> like, yeah. did he just say butthurt?
0: hurt. Yeah, butter, he, did. he did say that. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me, let me say one
1: last let me say one last thing to, to cap that my story off is yep. the other thing with is regarding setting setting the boundaries, is I had to make a decision. And I and I and this is an individual thing, and it's case by case. I want the relationship, but let's be very clear. I don't need the relationship to, to make my life complete. And I think sometimes we, we don't think like that. I mean, i never want to do, I, I, you know, I don't like the idea of going nuclear with people. I don't like the idea of be turning into the Hatfields and the McCoys and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I got to tell my I got to look at, look inside of me and say, if this relationship is not serving me, then I need to push it out. You know? And I think if, if people start to, and it doesn't have to be acrimonious. That's the thing that you have to understand. When I'm typically making these type of decisions, I'm calm. I'm learning to. I'm learning to have that. Put that calmness into my program, which says, "Yeah, real. I. I this is a relationship I desire, but I don't actually need it. When it. If it doesn't. If it's not serving me, and that's. And I'm. The, and I'm the most important. Me, in my mind, I'm the most important person in the equation. If it is not serving me then I've got to either step off and I and I have to have the strength to tell someone, you know what, this is just not working out. And this is the reason why. And I think the best thing to do is just bow out gracefully.
0: Agreed. And you know, that's a perfect spot to segue to the, the fourth uh, bullet point we want to talk about, and that's talking about self-care because that's in a way really what you're talking about right there, if it's not serving you well, if it's not coming across, feeding into the universe in a positive way that's supportive for yourself and that you feel like, hey, this this is something that you know I can invest time in that is worthy of my time, worthy of my effort. And that's really uh, not only a boundary, but that's when you start to transition over to self-care because now you are taking Whatever the situation may be, and say, "Hey, listen, this is not going to work for me. I have to care for self, and the stress that you're bringing in, and this and that and the other thing, is it's just not a happy place for us." But that is the fourth the fourth thing on our list of just ways to continue to you know strengthen your overall um, mental capacities and your, your mental mindset, and that is you know talking about self care, and you know it. It, it it bleeds over into many different areas of our life. Uh, earlier in our conversation, before we came on air, you know, we were having a brief discussion about uh, not getting enough sleep last night before the session today. You know, that came up between Van and I. We were talking, you know, just little things like that. But those are the little things that actually really do matter when you talk about not just your your personal physical being but also your your mental being of getting the right sleep and getting the exercise and the diet and all those things but then there's the people part of it too and that's kind of what we're just talking about about understanding things you may need or want in your life and that there is a difference between wanting it and actually needing it and understanding where that line is and and being able to walk and stand on that line So with that said, uh, Vince, I'm going to come to you and just have you share a little bit about uh, self-care and then some of the things I know that we've shared in the past, just talking a little bit about that.
3: So I think as I have been embracing more mindfulness and more, you know, first and foremost, gratitude being the primary one. So holding that gratitude and then being more present in my life, you know, it's, uh, The one, the one component that really resonates the most in both self-care boundaries, et cetera, is, you know, you can't control what people do or how they treat us, you know, you can only control how you react to it, how you interpret it. And, and the one thing that resonates almost daily with me is if you allow that person or the situation you know, make you angry, push your buttons, raise your whatever, you're giving that power to that individual in that situation. And you have a choice. And the moment that we can remind ourselves that, you know, hey, it will uh, all work out, life will go on, So for me, self-care is, is really important. And I, again, I think I can always do more of that. um, You know, once I get past the whole guilt of, of doing all these other things, but uh, you know, that's why I take time to go on an annual pilgrimage to Burning Man, you know, because one of the 10 principles is self-care and Again, you're put in a situation where if you don't take it, you come back and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't take care of myself or I took care of others. But that's that's the beauty behind that is that, you know, as long as you can look back and enjoy the ride and say, OK, you know what, in the future, I'm going to do this. Or, I, or you know what, I realized I should have had those situations, but I, I, in the moment I decided not to. And, you know, don't regret it. Just embrace it and move on.
0: Agreed. So, Eric, I'll come to you in just a minute, but I want to address something Benny was just talking about there. And, you know, you're talking about the the principles of of Burning Man. And that kind of goes back to where I started this today, uh, talking about, you know, understanding that we have our personal lives, we have our work and business lives, and how important, you know, it is to try to have some type of harmony or balance between those things. And so from a a, sort of two tenets or principles that you might want to say we we know and we live by. So the whole conversation today is really about understanding that there really is a third tenet or principle to to what we're talking about. And that is, you know, your your mental muscle, how managing that, taking care of that and the ways that it needs to be taken care of and that that's becomes something that you need to just be conscious and aware of day in day out, you know, and and and, and managing those pieces of it. So I wanna thank you for kind of bringing up the whole 10 principles thing and, and why it's relevant to you know, us as to how and why you make the, the decisions you make and then how that then guides you and leads you down a specific road or a pathway. I think that's all very important. So Erica, how about you from uh, per self care and we've had some conversations about this before but I'm sure you can you know kind of elaborate on that and just share with everyone some more of those things.
2: You. Okay. Can y'all, there we go. Can you hear me now? All right. One of the things that I did yesterday was I actually went outside and I sat on a bench just by myself and had my lunch. It was quiet. It, the wind was, it was kind of blowing a little bit, at least for Houston, it was cool. Um, and I just sat and I watched the people around me. And I was alone, just taking in and being present in the moment with my food that I got from the food truck. And I said, and I wanted to get some sunlight for some vitamin D. And I just said to myself, this is nice. And remember when we were all kids and we would play on the playground and we just enjoyed parks and having fun. And of course, we're playing with our friends. But now, even as an adult, to be able to sit outside and just be alone with some quiet time and just hear the wind watch the people it's it it provides a a certain amount of solitude it's very peaceful and i would encourage our friends and our, our viewers to take that time just by yourself go outdoors and just sit and just watch and be present and it's amazing how calming it is it really is um and for those that have uh, that feel uncomfortable being alone, being in a quiet space, really asking yourself, why is that? And really, um, I think we're all encouraging people that if you have issues being alone, and even if they're just questions and you want to talk to somebody who is just a confidential person, uh, person, they're not going to share your information, it's not going to get out, definitely consider therapy. Um, I'm hoping that more people of color would understand that therapy does not mean that you're crazy. Uh, High performers have coaches, high performers have therapy. Corporations bring in therapists for their executives. People at very high levels of companies have therapists that are their own therapists, and they have people that are paid for by the corporation to make sure that they're at their peak, whatever that peak is, right? Um, It's okay, it's not, therapy is not a white thing. Therapy is not a, a crazy person thing. Therapy can help answer questions that maybe you haven't posed to yourself. And a therapist doesn't give you the answers. A therapist helps by listening and asking questions a therapist helps you find the answers inside yourself, right? So I'm really hoping people will get that from our conversation today. Um, I think y'all were talking about self care, and sometimes we fall short, right? Um, in our own self care. I know how I have, and I can share that when you do that, you really can put yourself at a breaking point because what can happen, and I can I'll talk from my own personal experience. Is that the people you're doing so much sacrificing for start seeing you as being smaller and smaller and smaller? And maybe when y'all first met or you first joined an organization, you were the best thing since strawberry ice cream or <laughs> bluebell lemon ice cream, which is very hard to get. Um, but then by you making so many sacrifices and putting so uh, so much above you in your own care. Other people start seeing you as smaller and smaller. And then after a while, you don't even recognize yourself because you become so small. So one of the first things would be, one, getting to know yourself again. And if you have mistreated yourself by not taking good care of yourself before hard on yourself or blaming other people for your situation, for decisions that you made because you made yourself smaller for other people, they didn't ask you to become small. You decided to be small yourself. Um, go in the mirror and just really apologize to yourself and then forgive yourself. And then start behaving in a way that shows others that you are important to you. Not, you're, at, you're not asking to be important to them, but you have to show people by the way you treat yourself that you are important to yourself. Because if you don't, I promise you, you'll have a nervous breakdown. You're a nervous breakdown ready to have. You're either going to have a nervous breakdown, or you're going to drop dead, or you're going to have a nervous breakdown and then you're going to drop dead if you if you keep going in that route.
0: One hundred percent, Erica. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. What do you want to add on top of that?
1: Well, to to, to finish Erica's point, there is one other outcome. You may kill yourself. Yeah. Hmm. That's I hate true. to go there I hate to go there but that is, that is a reality in this society is that suicide is a is for some folks a viable out you know? yeah. instead of f- exploring professional help because you you either you're a pride or your ego or just how you've been conditioned in life that's how people that's how people ultimately end up taking their lives because they don't understand there is another way um, myself. Um, I've been in therapy for the last two years, regular, uh, and I'm happy to say that it, it, it's, it works and it has helped me to get to where I, where back to where I am today. Uh, Brian and Vin, you guys know, cause you hang out with me a lot. You know, you know, my story. Um, I'm not going to put everything out here today, but I, I have a phrase, fr- I have a saying that I've been sitting on for, I don't know, a couple of decades, which is, minds are like bad neighborhoods you never want to go in there alone Um, because if you go in there alone you're going to come up with the most vile things that you can outcomes and solutions and and thoughts that you can come up with um i equate it to it's like 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 if you have problems with your teeth you're not i'm not going to go in the bathroom with a pair of pliers and work on my own teeth that's just ludicrous um so the same, you look at it the same thing as your mind. I have a, you know, I've, I, I say this all the time and I, some of it's funny and some of it's real, I've got about six therapists. One of them is paid and the rest of them are just some really great people to support me. Um, uh, but, it, but the, when that comes down to the real meat and potatoes, I, I give it to the guy that I actually pay to help me out, help me to go through. And the thing you have to do with, with therapy. Um, Once you get attacked, you know, once you find your way to that, or once you make that decision to go and seek out therapy is you have to be prepared to pull the sheet, the curtain back and be very honest, even in instances where you don't want to be honest. And I'm not saying right out the gates that when you start therapy, it's, it's, this is another thing that has layers to it and and process is that you're going to have to, you, you, only, you know, what's going on in your head. Where you're going to have to work your way to a position where you, a, you're going to have to build trust because you're talking about sharing your life with something with a, with, to begin with a quote unquote stranger. Um, but you have to decide what, what, what you want, what you desire out of this thing. You have, This is the part where you have to become very conscious of, of what it is you desire. Um, I desire to be free and be happy. Those, those are the two things main things for me. Uh, I've got a, You know, and I think we all have a myriad of things that we've gone through as young people, as children. Um, Some of us have been abused. We haven't been treated well. We haven't been listened to. We've been minimized. um, We've been ignored. Um, There are so many range of emotions that young people and kids in in general, depending on your family dynamics, what you've gone through. I come from what I could on paper, I consider to be a good family. God knows we have our we as a fan we've had issues and they've they've come out over the years as as I've gotten to be my own person Um, it's it can really mess you up at times Um, I'm finally to a point now where I can say when someone asks me how you how are you doing Chris I can typically answer for the most part I'm happy that doesn't mean things are perfect but I'm for the most part, I'm happy because I choose to be happy. I choose to have certain people around me. I choose to exclude certain people from my circle. Um, I I choose to look at it uh, from a standpoint of certain people. While I will associate with you, I keep you at arm's length because you don't serve my happiness. So I think it's something that, at a certain point in time you have to take seriously um, you have to be serious for you because at the end of the day if you don't take it seriously no one else will yeah. you'll just be a part of the quote unquote the matrix
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you Chris and that you know it's interesting both what you just shared and also the last piece of what Erica was talking about really are the, the fifth and final Um, bullet point of the the five steps we want to talk about today, because the fifth one is seeking support, uh, because it is a critical component to it. And the the one way I would like to kind of frame that is to say, yes, we know seeking support is obviously can be professional help, therapists, people of that nature. It could be family and friends uh, as well. Uh, It could be organizations that you uh, get involved with and participate in, and I think all those are key. Um, But I I like to wrap the term just creating a support system, whatever that system looks like for you as an individual, because it's gonna be different for each and every one of us. But the key component is to to be conscious and aware of establishing some type of support system for yourself. And uh, for me, I think the most important part of that is, especially when you get down to the family and friends side of it is, Uh, make sure that those people that you're bringing into your system for that support are those that truly are swimming the same direction that you are, that really are supporting where it is you either are now or trying to go in the future. And it's not those people that are trying to crush your dreams or hold you down, bring you back, uh, because now you're creating just this internal stress at a mental level that's just not going to serve you well. So as Chris just used in his own words, just a moment ago, I want people who in my circle who are serving me on the mission that I'm on. So be very conscious just because they are a family member, sister, brother, or whatever, mother, father, that doesn't always necessarily mean that they are the best support person for you, depending on where you are today and and where you're trying to get to. So I I did want to share that. Uh, And with that, we kind of at a spot of final thoughts, Um, you know, kind of just summarize maybe a last takeaway that you'd like to share um, with the audience for today. And I think it's been a a very informative session. We've covered the five steps, which were obviously number one was the mindfulness and, you know, stress management for yourself. Self-reflection, emotional intelligence is a a big piece of it. Setting boundaries, also uh, prioritization. Prioritizing self-care is a big piece. And then the last one is just seeking and setting up some type of support system for yourself. Those are all key components, I think, to being able to establish a strong foundation to support and strengthen just your mental mindset and your mental bandwidth and have you be the strongest possible person you can be. So with that said, Erica, I'll start with you and then I'll go to Chris and Van. I'll let you close us out for today. But Erica, what about final thoughts? What would you like to share with our audience as we uh, kind of a takeaway for them to take home and chew on and think about
2: it? Definitely. If you have the insurance, definitely consider um, having a therapist. Find someone that you're comfortable uh, speaking with. If you do not have it covered in your health, in your health insurance, then definitely consider finding other avenues. There are um, sometimes there are students who are trying to obtain their master's and they also offer services. They're very, uh, very good therapists and perhaps they will have some um, very affordable rates. They have other um, online uh, apps now in which you can uh, find someone with whom you can talk. But definitely do not discount Having someone who is just a neutral person that will listen to you and who can ask those questions to help you resolve different issues uh, for yourself or um, can really help you go to a whole nother level uh, personally and professionally. So definitely consider having a therapist as someone on your team to help make uh, your life a lot a a lot easier by being there to support you as you find the answers inside of yourself because most of the answers that we're seeking um they're really inside so i encourage you.
0: erica thank you very much and then for sharing that chris what about you what would be your final thoughts or final Uh, takeaways that you'd like to share with our audience out there
1: well, I think the first thing I think of is, um, it's about finding the truth. Um, it's about being honest with yourself. Um, I think a lot of people, like I said, it's, and this goes back, this is, you know, probably from generations and generations and generations and generations back where people are a lot of folks are, you know, that, that have emotional challenges. Um, they're not honest about it. they are in denial in a lot of cases. Um, and that's those soci- those socioeconomic uh, things that have been placed on top of our heads, I think the first the first step is to ad- admitting it. Um, and once you can admit it and keep and, and I, I'm not saying you admit it once and then you're okay and then you can you know you can move forward, you have to hold on to that thought every time something, challenging comes to you or something that makes you angry or you know because a lot of times it's you know the, the way we're conditioned is you know you get angry about something and you internalize it or you respond in a very negative way and you don't know how to create other responses for your unhappiness there is always going to be um uh conflict um which is something we talked about the other day we're in a con- we're in a conflict averse society right now. There's always going to be conflict, but the beautiful part about finding the therapy, um, the therapy train is that you get a chance to work on your conflicts, conflicts within yourself, the conflicts with other people. Um, and it just gives you a chance to, I think it gives you a fighting chance to be better, to be uh, a better contributing members to society. You know, I'm always I'm always operating out of the theory that I'd like to leave something better than I found it. And there's a lot of work to be done to do that, to have that, to develop that mindset and to actually live it on a day in a day out basis. It takes work, as Vinny said earlier, it's not about the destination. This is all a journey and some of these journeys will be lifelong and you have to resign yourself to the fact that when it comes to your mental fitness, your mental health, um, your, all, all the things that we've talked about today, it is a lifelong journey.
0: Get used to it. Okay. 100%. Thank you for sharing that, Chris. Vinny, what what are your thoughts on it?
3: Uh, you know, besides the fact that, you know, to embrace kindness and gratitude like you have right behind your head. I mentioned this before, and I, I truly, truly believe this, that, um, you know, the moment you can understand multigenerational trauma, the moment you can look back at, and, and, and that's, a lot of that's figuring out, you know, your attachment style. You figure that out, you, you figure out what your love language is. That's another good one, too, because then you can figure out how you need to feel affirmed and then how other people need to feel connected as well. So, you know, the present side of life for me has always been something where if you can surround yourself with good people, you've got that support network and you can, you know, just just try to do a little bit more every day and a wise man once told me you know progress is measured in progress so <laughs> uh yeah it's uh just have fun don't don't take yourself too seriously
0: finn thanks for sharing that so my my final one it kind of it goes right on the end of what Vinnie was just saying, and that is from the standpoint of um, don't take it too seriously, I mean, yes, it is a serious thing, but one of the, the tools I think you can use is just a simple word of control, um, because there are so many things that we want to control and try to embed ourselves into the control, and it's all that we actually cannot control, right? Um, and, and starting to just really peel that back for yourself to say, do I actually have control over X situation, this thing, whatever's going on? And because your mental capacity is really about energy. You really think about where are you focusing your mental energy? We only have so much to give day in, day out, week in, week out, et cetera. So where are you giving that energy? and What are you giving that energy to? So my, my final thought is just to say, really try to take that energy and really focus it to the things that you have true control over. Because if you really don't have control over it, you're kind of wasting that energy because you might have some influence, you might have no influence at all. You really can't impact or change those things. So use that mental capacity that you do have and focus the energy on the things that you have control over because that's where I think you're going to see the greatest impacts and have it make the greatest differences for you as you move forward because you are driving towards things that you can truly move the needle for yourself. So that's my final thought as far as that goes. Uh, Just, yeah, use the energy wisely and again, try to focus on the things that you truly do have some power and some control over. That's it folks thanks everybody for joining today this i think was an excellent session i think we all brought some things to the table that you know um we hadn't thought about before and that's always a positive thing that's that's always the best way to say it but for everyone out there audience we we appreciate you watching hopefully you got some some value and, and picked up a nugget or two out of this that could continue to help you uh build a stronger mental uh, fitness for yourself and put you in just a place mentally of being a not only stronger, but also more open and willing to share and talk about and ask for the support if you need it, because all of the things work together to continue to build that wall of solid mental foundation. And uh, that at the end of the day is the key component of it. So until next time, I wanna say uh, farewell to everyone, everyone on the panel here, thank you so much for your inputs, greatly appreciate it. Get out, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And as always, say, hey, take care, take care of each other. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Take care now. Bye.